Greetings and welcome back to another installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. It's a very eventful week. Camille Foster, I do some stuff at Freethink. I am uh, back from my holiday to help all of you uh, through this very difficult time. We call it vacation in America. No, I call it a holiday because I'm very fancy. I also say cheers. I I sign my emails cheers. Uh, I'm Camille Foster. Uh, First, I'll I'll do the content warning up front because we never do that. This program will contain strong language, um, all sorts of abusive content, uh, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. Mm -hmm. Um, There will also be some some unparalleled, intelligent, thoughtful insights. uh, And and here to help deliver those are two extraordinary gentlemen. Um, The country is in dire straits. It's appropriate and fortunate that they are both here. They are journalists and rhetorical titans in their own right. Journalos. Journalos. Well, you're not journalos. Journalos are something else. I think it's kind of pejorative, but not really. But maybe it is. I don't know. The the kids out there decided that journalos was us and that that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know if is I like it, that. Fan culture is important. <clears throat> well, but I was, but I was, <laughs> so the rhetorical titans of exceptional intellect and questionable upper body strength. Mm. Uh, that would Why be did you look at me when you said that? Matt, Matt Welch, mm, editor at large of Reason Magazine, Michael Moynihan of Vice News. Gentlemen, how the hell, <laughs> no, not how the hell are you? Are yeah. you okay? Are you feeling um, all right? Are you, I've been, I mean, okay? I've been responding to these calls for therapy. Yeah, because you know everyone's. You see all this stuff. Very sad people. Has it? I don't know if anyone's Facebook uh, wall. I didn't pay attention to Facebook until moments like this, and everybody <laughs> I know is like, you know, writing open letters. Like all these people, I don't. They, they're usually like post uh, pictures of them like fucking snowboarding, and all of a sudden it's like an open letter to my daughter. It's Very like sad. you know what is wrong with your daughter? She can't fucking handle it. She's like two years old. <laughs> Number one, I'm the only one. My daughter is my daughter's gonna be disappointed that I didn't. I haven't written an open letter to her about what happened on Tuesday. Yes, I mean she's yeah, five, yeah. but she goes to school in Brooklyn, and she's also probably like the fascist of the school too. <laughs> I talked to my uh, eight year old because <clears throat> I wasn't here on election day. I was uh, in uh, New Mexico at the Gary Johnson. Uh, uh, you know, a victory party uh, in Albuquerque. Yeah. And uh, so I was walking her to school yesterday. I'm like, so the, are the kids talking about the election? Because they that's all they were talking about yeah. beforehand. Um, and she's like, nah, it's over. So I think now it's just the teachers. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the like, teachers who are sad. In fact, in she, she told me it was, uh, you know, the the her teacher who definitely voted for Hillary. Uh, uh, she saw some other girl wearing an I'm with her shirt. And she said, I really like your shirt. Yeah. This is yeah. the day after. I, I really, I, yeah, I really, yeah. oh, I yeah. really like your oh. shirt. Yeah. God. Oh. You know, yeah, but, I, we were talking about this in the, uh, right before we started is that. Um, I need to be very clear, and I think anyone who's listening to this podcast knows that I really loathe everything about Donald Trump, and I am upset that he's the president. And had I cast a vote, I probably would have cast a vote for Hillary Clinton. I mean, to be totally honest. Oh, really? Over Gary yeah, Johnson? Yeah, yeah, in yeah, New yeah. York? Uh, no, in Massachusetts. I'm registered in Massachusetts. So that's why I didn't vote. You make so it don't live in Massachusetts. I don't. That's not why you didn't vote. You didn't vote because you don't care enough because you could have cast an absentee ballot. Also true. Um, I don't <laughs> give a shit, really. The fate of the republic is in somebody else's hands, not mine. Um, but um, so, so I just have to point that out. But the past uh, three days have like I'm find myself like oh come on people and I like I am like it's the first time anyone has made me even partially sympathetic with the psychopath that's going to be occupying uh, the Oval Office because like I mean the people who uh, uh, his enemies are just like so psychotic 
and they're losing their goddamn minds. This is how this is how he gets normalized, oh, Michael. Well, you know, I mean, you so crazy. you guys are painting a very bleak picture. I, I do have what? not not of America, of my friends. Well, I, I know, but just in general, of the moment that we find yeah. ourselves in, it's somewhat bleak. Um, <laughs> but there is another bright ray of sunshine, um, and his name is Andrew Schultz. He's a comedian. Hey, guys. He's a co-host of the uh, Brilliant Idiot. Hey, did you notice he was like taking off his coat to make yeah, noise? I was ready we had... <laughs> I, I need to be acknowledged, Welch. Okay? The second that... Moynihan walks in, nobody looks at me anymore. Yeah. I see how it is. I'm the side bitch was, of this podcast. Uh, definitely late. No. I mean, just, this it, is... I kept on handing him empty a, cups. It's like a grand... Take them out and put him in the dishwasher. It's it was fucked up. It's a grand It was very fucked up. It is a grand introduction. I go first because the first shall be last. And the last... Shall be first. Nice. That's why I did. Who that said that? Allah. <laughs> that was Kanye. Allah. Was, uh, was Kanye? <laughs> One of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Jesus. Um, so, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's great to have you back with us again. Your second appearance. That's um, right. This is uh, this is great. And and you reached out. I mean, we. I wanted gonna, to be here. Yeah. You want to? You want? I thought parse... Moynihan was going to fuck up again, not yeah. show up because <laughs> uh, he doesn't I, care. I, no, I don't care. And I want to slide right in. I don't care about this country. I don't care about this fucking podcast. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> vote. First of all, he doesn't show up. No. His name is not yeah. Moynihan. His name is Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So I thought Hollywood was going to pull a Hollywood, <laughs> and I was going to have to slide yeah. in and take care. Listen, I'm a young. Younger, okay, <laughs> more slicked, haired backed yeah. version of Moynihan, which is hard. Okay, let's be yeah. very hard. He slicks, hard. Yeah. he slicks it. I he mean, he is more Hitler youth than I am, and his name is Schultz. We were arguing <laughs> about this earlier, yeah, Moynihan. Yeah. I, he he said that he was like, "You have this Hitler youth haircut," yeah. and I was like, oh "Don't I have God. a Hitler youth?" He haircut? said, "What does Moynihan look like?" And I said, "He's a metrosexual with a Hitler hairdo." Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, not that metrosexual, Moynihan. No, no, I'm I, very I, disappointed. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just got home and I'm kind of I don't have any clean clothes and I'm a little fat. Usually there'd be a tighter t-shirt. I threw up a lot last week. Seriously, I threw up a lot. Really? Not because of the election, just because I had the stomach flu. That's funny. Oh, yeah, the I, the I election up, wasn't last week. It was I, Tuesday. So. I threw up because of the election, by which I mean I threw up because I drank oh, yeah, all yeah, of the Jack yeah, and Gingers yeah, on yeah. Uh, Tuesday night while yeah. watching uh, the re- results come in with the uh, campaign manager and spokesman of uh, the Gary Johnson campaign yeah. who are drunkenly, or at least one of them was drunk, uh, talking bitterly about uh, Evan McMullen. That was the... Uh, uh, you know, yeah. the great thing about the recriminations after Trump is elected, like, immediately, the lazy people immediately are going after those who voted for Gary Johnson and Jill Stein and stuff yeah, yeah. on Twitter. But that has completely been forgotten about. It's almost Already. Over. Already. And it's on... We're on to, like, a hundred different other Well, this things. is this is, uh, this is is precisely what we wanted to do. I mean, we want to we want to try to parse the polls. Uh, we want to evaluate some of the, the media response and upset... Uh, we will uh, perhaps talk a little bit about all of the awkward theater uh, where yeah. the uh, the victor goes to Washington uh, and goes and sits down with his uh, nemesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, finally, maybe we look a little bit forward and, and try to talk about the prospects for a, a Trump administration uh, or should we call it regime because mm. it's a totalitarian, <laughs> a totalitarian dictatorship. Um, but maybe we uh, just start with. Tuesday, Wednesday night. You gentlemen already mentioned uh, sort of where you were at the time. Maybe you can provide a bit more color. But Schultz, I mean, when did you find out? How are you feeling? How was I feeling? Yeah, does, does anyone was, ask you that? I want you to know that I care how you I feel. I appreciate you. I was doing a like a, a stand-up slash debate thing at the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. And uh, it was hosted by this guy named David Rothkopf. 
Yeah, is that who that foreign, guy is? Foreign policy manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Who's, uh, he's I work like, with his uh, daughter. Who's very oh, yeah, she was at like Jezebel. Yeah, yeah. Jezebel. No, that's a different... He's got two. One's at Vice, one's at Jezebel. Both very nice. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were, yeah. we were doing this kind of like debate thing. And, and Rothkopf's an interesting guy because he's yeah. one of these like holier-than-thou liberals that work for the fucking Kissinger Foundation, which is a little <laughs> bit hypocritical, buddy. Anyway. Not anymore. But, uh, yeah, so... Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I was there and it was really fun. It was a super liberal crowd and it was really fun to see all their hearts break as the results <laughs> came in. I, I, and it was just because I like to, you know, do stuff that kind of busts liberals' balls a little bit with comedy. Like that's the fun thing that I push back against, you know? And, uh, every state that came in, they were just, <gasps> they were guffawing and it was yeah. just really, but I voted for Hillary, but I, it was like the contrarian in me actually was happy. There, yeah. I think there really is like some, some sort of weird effect that happened that I totally did not expect. I, I, I loathe Donald Trump. I think he is awful and reprehensible. Mm-hmm. But the ex- president-elect Trump. Yes, whatever. Um, the extreme freakout, the 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 almost unparalleled hysteria um, of people on the left who did not expect this to happen, and and of course there are people on the right. None of them mm-hmm. thought it would happen either, including Donald Trump. Um, but I was on a plane. Uh, and effectively sequestered. I could not get the election results because this is an international flight and there's no friggin' internet. So we where take off at 7 p.m. from Santiago uh, to Miami. I had a connection, uh, unfortunately. But I'm landing. It's close to 3.30 in the morning. And 10 minutes or so before we land, the pilot comes over the intercom. He's like, no. oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm close to landing here in a... Do you have one announcement? <laughs> and he's he's taking his time, oh, easing man. into oh, it. Really? And he <laughs> says, uh, uh, "We do have word for those of you who've been following the election. Uh, Donald Trump, with all these pauses, all of these pregnant pauses, uh, is the president-elect of the United States." No, <laughs> really? There are utterances from all over the Crash damn the airplane. <laughs> like I, my wife's uh, hands go to her eyes. She, her head, her head is in her hands. Um, the woman behind me says, "Oh my God." This is so scary. I stood up because, of course, I'm in first class. And I looked back at the rest of the cabin. And people Peasants. are removing their glasses from their Peasants, faces. Wiping the tears from their eyes. And I couldn't help. You laughed at them. Kind of you chuckle. laughed at them. And as we're, as we're deplaning, they're consoling one another. They're just sort of talking to each other. Yep. It was almost like 9-11. Did, did anyone try to console you as a black man? Well, no, but I suspect that part of the reason why, one, you just presume everyone is a good person <laughs> you like were, you who hates yeah. Donald Trump. They didn't Trump. do it because you were wearing a um, Make America Great hat. Yeah, I wasn't wearing that. <laughs> but, but I did get a lot of the, can you believe it? And I said, yeah, yeah. they were both awful yeah. uh, and, and sort of went on. Um, now, this is not equivalence, but we could talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, but it is one of those things where, I don't know, the, 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 we were told that if Donald Trump lost the election. He wasn't going to concede. It was going to be a nightmare. He had said, he had suggested himself that there might be riots afterwards. It would be insanity. It would be pandemonium. He won. And we kind of sort of got pandemonium anyways. Uh, Hillary Clinton decides not to give a speech the night of, but shows up not at 930 as originally promised, not at 10 or 1030, damn near 12 Mm o'clock when she finally gets up to give a speech. Um, and that hangover is not going to sleep off itself. Well, no. yeah, whatever. Um, I haven't heard a tremendous amount of outrage from the circles and corners where I suspect I would have heard a lot of outrage had Donald Trump done a lot of the same thing. What do you, what do you gentlemen make of the, 
of the sort of reaction to the way that things have played out to the election itself and like the emerging the emerging narratives about the exit polls. Every single year you always have some narrative. Um, it's the it's the values voters who are making this decision. It's um, it's something it's something else in this particular year. It seems like there are two two themes. Um, it's racism and hatred. Uh, it is. Uh, it, what did uh, Van Jones call it? I think we've got that, that clip. Uh, that clip. White lash. Yeah. Van yeah. Jones <laughs> called it, which yeah. I didn't watch this stuff live. Okay. But I heard that. Um, um, or the the other popular explanation for this particular year, very popular, is um, college educated voters right. versus stupid idiots who didn't go to college. Um, and both of those are the the dominant sort of themes for helping us understand what the hell happened here. Mm. What do you gentlemen make of those uh, make of those narratives? And at some point, I mean, we can we can well, play it's, the it's Van Jones all, yeah, it's Van also, Jones audio because it is kind of hilarious. It's kind of hilarious, and it's also um, it's not just saying that uh, that college educated this that and it's it's saying white people. That's been the thing. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, as usual. It's people saying this who are themselves white. It's always the thing to do. Samantha B. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh god, I hate white people. I'm so when I saw fifteen of twenty of, and I said I was sending them to you. It's like uh, people saying, I'm so embarrassed to be a white person today. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck does that mean? At what point do we realize that using that kind of language is what gives us people like Donald Trump? I mean, the idea that that we can essentialize race in one direction and not the other and saying that, you know, white people are the problem. Okay, well, say it is 50. It was like white women were the problem because these people that in my neighborhood, in my universe, can't imagine that somebody would vote for somebody who's not a woman. That's kind of implicit in it. It's like we wanted to have the first woman president. It's really important to us. And everybody, all my friends were like, I'm with her. And, you know, you know, having the first female president is going to be like, you know, the the T-shirts that everyone's wearing. um, The future is female and all that stuff. Apparently not right now. But, you know, in that in that sense, like it's women, women, women. And they're so out of touch that they can't understand that women, college educated or otherwise, are voting for someone who's not only not a woman, but somebody who talks about women in a crude way. And like, yeah, maybe that is a weird and, and, and strange thing for a lot of people. But for a lot of people, it isn't. And why? Like, why is it that people don't mind that men talk in that gross way? Or that, you know, the next president is not going to share your same genitalia. It's an amazing thing to watch the scales fall from people's eyes and trying to have them try to understand why on earth would these women, these traitors to their gender, mm-hmm. um, uh, not do not do what I did. I actually just there was one that I just looked up and I can't find my phone because they but want was, their husbands to have jobs. I, I mean, it's that's very simple. I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand. They just want their husband to go to work. The factory's closed and they think that this guy is going to help them more than this girl. That's, yeah, that's, that's it, it, it. I just want my husband to go back to work. I don't care if he's grabbing pussies. I don't get whatever. I just want my husband to go back. Now, to work. now take the disconnect between that attitude and well, you know, I don't know how widespread that is. I mean, there's economic anxieties, a lot of different things. Take that attitude and now take this and now now you understand and I understand and I hate this word. I hate it and I fought against it this entire election. But the first time I finally understand the use of the word elitist as in this pejorative way is that it's always a pejorative. I don't think it should be. But an elitist, elitist opinion. You, you say this about women saying, well, I want my husband to have a job. He used to work at the steel plant. Now he's gone. Now I'm going to read you something from today's New York Times from Lindy West, who is a columnist uh, who writes about feminism. Oh, yeah. And she wrote this. And uh, she's the one who very famously debated Jim Norton um, in a very long debate actually Awful. put online and got destroyed by Norton. 
um, about feminism and uh, rape jokes and comedy, etc. This is a line from her piece in the New York Times uh, today. Uh, we have proof in exit polls that white women will pawn their humanity mm. for the safety of white supremacy. Mm. So, I mean, this is like now, now try to s- send those lines across the transom to other people who are like voting or considering voting for Donald Trump and say, what is this? What is they wouldn't even know what that means. And when you break it down to them, they'd be like, you're kidding, right? This is a joke. This yeah. is, people, people actually think this way. There's a great post that I recommend all uh, listeners uh, go read by uh, Ken White at Pope Hat. Great libertarian legal thinker, particularly on the uh, First Amendment issues. And Ken White probably hates Donald Trump about as much as me and Moynihan do. Uh, notice I didn't include Camille in that sentence. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, hey, uh, I hate this you know, uh, result as much as you do for the following reasons. Now, let's talk about how we might deal with things going forward. And he suggested it as a tactical thing that if there are individual issues that you are particularly knowledgeable about, passionate about, get on in there and play some defense on it, sure. um, which is uh, the, the correct uh, approach. But he also suggested, and this seems uh, so obvious that it, it is eluding at least half of the uh, liberal Twitter uh, feed in, in my feed at this moment, um, maybe you shouldn't as a default call everyone who voted for the other guy a racist. And maybe you should get, I mean, you can talk about race, you can talk about racial attitudes, you can talk about racism. But since you are in the major politics, major political party game in a way that a lot of us here are not, you know, mm-hmm. we, we are, don't belong to parties or we mm-hmm. vote for third parties. But since you have decided that you want to be into democratic politics, you have to be in persuasion. Mm-hmm. And how sure. do you persuade people? This is not a winning strategy for persuading people to call them all racists. It, it, it also doesn't necessarily comport with available facts. Um, I have the, the question. I'm writing that, down a list of words I'm going to look up after this. <laughs> uh, pejorative is one. Facts. Comport. Facts. Comport facts. is yeah. another one. Oh, is that the com- one? I thought comport was like a. Like I said a, carport. Oh, it's carport. carport. I got it. Nec- you can't necessarily like get into the carport. Or something like that. Yeah. Okay. It's the thing you park under, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but the. What is it? What sort of evidence do we need to suggest that what happened here is as uh, as Van Jones described mm-hmm. it, um, white lash? And it, it may be it may be worth sort of visiting that audio um, only because I I made it a point to grab it. So yes, can you find uh, it already? Uh, we're, we're not there yet. <laughs> well, well, well <laughs> right. you're further than anybody said you would be, and I, I have enough uh, uh, class and I was raised well enough to say uh, when you outdo yes, sir, thank you when you outdo expectations. You know, good for you. But there's another side to this. People have talked about a miracle. Uh, I'm hearing about a nightmare. Uh, It's hard to be a parent tonight for a lot of us. Uh, You tell your kids, don't be a bully. You tell your kids, don't be a bigot. You tell your kids, do your homework and be prepared. And then you have this outcome and you have people putting children to bed tonight. And they, they're afraid of breakfast. They're afraid of how do I explain this to my children? I have Muslim friends who are texting me tonight saying, should I leave the country? I have uh, uh, families of immigrants no one that said are terrified this. tonight. It. No one said it. No one said I was, I was with him until he was afraid go? of breakfast. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I think this I, was I saw a rebellion it. against the elites. True. It was a complete reinvention of... Of, of politics and polls, it's true. But it was also something else. We've talked about race, 
I mean, we've talked about everything but race tonight. We've talked about income. We've talked about class. We've talked about region. We haven't talked about race. This was a white lash. Mm. This was a white lash against a changing country. He's definitive as By hell. Way, do you know the other word uh, is actually backlash, not blacklash? <laughs> so why white lash would be like, no, this is the opposite. It's a white lash. Yeah. I, well, mean, well, I think it was, a, I think it was a, one of the, uh, the, the black conservative folks at Fox who wrote a, a book called Blacklash. So she, oh, she did that. Um, and perhaps he's borrowing from that, but I, I think he probably made this up himself. Probably not. The, the, what, 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 what matters to me, and when I looked at the exit polls, and granted, you know, we, we may still see more evidence that suggests something else, I at least don't see anything there that suggests to me that there was this white lash. Um, In fairness, you would never the, see it. A lot of, no, well, look. <laughs> Less people look, voted facts, for Trump than voted matters. for Romney and McCain. Facts, this is, well, this is just it. Where yeah. is the white lash? The and, only and it's, thing and that it's matters. The percentage, yeah. It's the percentage of the electorate, too. It's like 70% of, of the electorate is whites. The yeah. percentages are about the same. And of minorities, like a third of Hispanics voted for Trump. This is One, a re- this, this is, is a, a really important uh, this is a really important uh, voted for Trump. 1% um, in greater numbers blacks. than they have voted yeah. In, yeah. In, but in greater numbers than they have voted for any M- Republican in the last 3 contests. More more, more, his, more Hispanics voted for Well no, last year by 1%, but certainly it's percentage almost, point. Yeah, 1, 1 percentage point. point. 1 percentage point, sure. but it's I think it was two percentage points for like McCain M- when he sure. went up against Obama the first time. Sure. And it's just worth it's worth mentioning that that is what actually happened. Of but course, it's really, people didn't show up. This is a really important point the, about Hispanic voters mm-hmm. um, because everybody was assigning stories the day before the election of where the Hispanic vote will b- block Donald Trump. Nevada and not Florida. A, Nevada, Florida, a little bit of movement in yeah. Arizona, definitely in Virginia where there's been a sh- demographic shift. But the thing that's really interesting about this is you're sort of writing the story before the, anything actually happens is that not only did Donald Trump according to exit polls and multiple exit polls that are actually overlapping CNN's exit poll and New York Times exit poll that he he got 33% of hispanic men yeah. and about 30 30% of hispanics overall that is a big is a 7 or 8 point jump from uh, Mitt Romney. So what's going on here? There's a couple things I think that are that are worth uh, thinking about. One of the really negative aspects, and there are a million of them, of essentializing uh, race all the time and talking about <laughs> white people and talking about black people and this yeah. is a white lash and a black lash, is that we are so fucking stupid that we don't understand any difference between Hispanics. There we go. And how yeah, Hispanics yeah, yeah. from like Honduras <laughs> think right, about yeah. people from so, Mexico yeah, and how Russia Cubans think about Mexico yeah. and how Mexicans think about Guatemalans. Yeah, yeah. And that there's like we should keep these people white out because they elitism, Moynihan. It, it, this is the white no, this is the white elitism. It is white, white people go, Oh, Hispanics, they're just a monolith, they're one people. Yeah. If you call a Cuban Mexican, that's insulting. Yeah. They're, they're furious about it. So a Cuban, when they're saying, oh, Mexicans are coming, when they hear Trump go Mexican coming across the border and they're raping or whatever, a Cuban's going, well, shit, I don't want to get raped. I'm going for this guy. <laughs> I don't Except like for their Cuban relatives who are now coming across the Mexican border. Yeah, exactly. That's actually their primary. Oh, are they doing it? Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Well, whatever. Now they got but, JetBlue. But, you know, but, 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 but yeah, yeah. it's like the old, whatever, whoever the comic was ages ago, that Americans are the type of people that go to a country of a billion 
other humans in China and say, God, look at all these minorities. I mean, yeah. that's the, essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. how we look at the Hispanic vote as a block. We're like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? So the real head scratcher here is like not why white women. Because remember, by the way, for, for years and from the Republican autopsy in 2013, you know, Henry Barber's thing along with uh, Ari Flesch. Uh, no, it was Henry. Oh, his uh, his uh, nephew uh, uh, who wrote it. So Henry Barber and these guys write this and it's they are making the point, which is not true. Apparently this election cycle, it might be true in the future, is that we can't win as a white person party anymore. Apparently that's not true. Because because Donald Trump won the election. Well, I, I, well, I, well I, but the, but also he won the, sorry to interrupt. He can't we just acknowledge he won the election because Hillary Clinton is possibly the worst uh, nobody wants candidate ever. Well, well that's probably just, well, she's probably Mark, the worst politician in history. Well, she had Mark Zuckerberg a three, before yeah. one, three yeah. one lead in the she's got the Golden State Warriors. She was she had everything <laughs> going for her, yeah. and she lost. She had the old this old fucking senile uh, socialist that she <laughs> that she had to cheat to beat. And then she had a guy literally sexually assaulting women, mm. bragging about it. Mm. And she's a female candidate and still couldn't find a way to win off of that. This is pathetic. Yeah. She yeah. has blown she every single lead she's ever had. million Obama votes from last election. Yeah. 11 million from 08. She lost 11, not like those voters went to Trump. They just didn't vote because of no, no, her. No, 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 but to point out that that's also an important thing is that some of them did. There are definitely, definitely, and we're going to look at the numbers as uh-huh. we, they break down, a lot of people that voted for Barack Obama either once or that's twice right. and yeah, voted right. for Donald Trump. Have that's you guys right. seen that map that Steve Kornacki put together? I think it was uh, uh, over at uh, uh, MSNBC of the you know 13 or 15 counties in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Voted for Obama twice. Yep, yep. Voted for Ron Johnson That's right. every opportunity. Also voted for, and I'm blanking on the name, but a lesbian, I think, Democrat. Uh, uh, and then voted for Trump. Right. Um, and like, okay, let's yeah. hear your racial theory about this well, one. Well, this is, I mean, this is the question that I'm posing, really. It's, it's why does that, that race narrative, I get why it gains traction. Um, what I don't see is a tremendous amount of credibility. It is it is really popular. It, it is the favorite. It is liberals. the favorite one of lefts of the of yeah. the folks on the left to talk about. Certainly, there were disgusting the and deplorable things that Donald Trump said. But the decision, the conclusion that Donald Trump's supporters, people who voted for him, twenty uh, odd percent of which said that they they didn't like him and didn't trust him, um, that the people who voted for him voted for him because of the deplorable things that he said and not because of anything else, not for any other reason. And that, that to me seems like an absurd conclusion, but it is the obvious conclusion drawn by all of these people who are, who are fearful and who are, who are, uh, whose children can't sleep. They're wondering if they should send their children to gymnastics that evening, if it's safe to go to the mall, stop it. Now, granted, there there is something. I don't say stop. Let me, well, I, I, I don't well, I say stop. Underscore, well, I want to underscore. Play defense against I'm, power. I'm going to underscore. I'm going to underscore one thing though. The 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 Muslim ban. I I could totally understand why you would be concerned if you were a Muslim person. <laughs> you think right? Uh, the 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 deportation force talk. The talk of deporting all uh, illegal immigrants in the United States. I could totally understand those people being concerned. But the truth of the matter is that there is a tremendous amount of hyperbole. Uh, when it comes to all of the various awful things that Donald Trump is, and this is not original to me, but in the same way that people projected their hopes and aspirations on Barack Obama, people seem to be able to project all of their fears, yeah. all of their consternation, all of the darkest possible fantasies 
onto Donald Trump. Yeah, but he also campaigned in ways that we have not seen before. So, so, Banning Muslims look, is not a dark fantasy. Honestly, it came out of his fucking the, mouth. The, 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 it came out of his mouth. I'll yeah. tell you, we, we say, need to stop I, fucking Muslims coming in the country. That is I not heard, a fantasy. Look, that I'm is what the presidential this. candidate ran on. It is still on his website to this day. Yeah. It is horrifying. Uh-huh. It is fucking horrifying that people said, you know what, rational calculation, guy who wants to ban Muslims, I'm voting for him. But, but I'm horrified by that. So look, I, so here's the other thing. Don't people always is one thing because uh-huh. you guys said this last week or a couple it. weeks ago. It was about the 13th, and you were talking about how Bill Clinton finally addressed an issue that Americans really concerned were really concerned with, which was crime. Right? Uh-huh. You said there was uh, interest rates rising or something like that, or inflation, 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 inflation uh-huh. and crime. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think uh, Hillary, one of the reasons why she ran such a deplorable campaign is because she didn't actually address any of the issues Americans cared about. She just said, "I'm not that guy." about it right Right. so trump no risk no reward trump took risk he said i'm building a fucking wall because people were concerned about illegal immigration whether they're racially motivated to be concerned about it or not they were concerned yeah i mean i think the same goes for isis and shit like that there are people in parts of this country who will never deal with terrorism right but they're concerned about terrorism and he took a hard line on both of them and it worked and she literally had no they're like what are you gonna do about muslims coming to the country she's like well we're gonna vet them well what does that mean we're gonna vet them yeah, what Trump understood was was, you know, the from the gut politics. I mean, remember when a lot of this stuff came out. I mean, it's, you know, after uh, France, it's after the shooting in, in, in Orlando. That's right. In, what, in San Bernardino. And what happens is actually the, the, the registration of Muslims, which is one of the even more horrifying things. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of on the, the ban, you could hope in some way that it'd say, well, I want to ban people coming from Syria or something or something yeah. from, from countries where blah, blah, blah. And yeah, of course, he's he, he doesn't think that. He just says banning everybody. Right. But also, you know, you have a guy from NBC. It might, I can't remember who it was or, or Yahoo or maybe Benji Sarlin or one of these guys who had asked him a question pro- that he'd probably never thought about was, should we register uh, Muslims? And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then he, of course, takes it on as a policy. <laughs> and he's like, you plant these things in his head. And he's like, oh, geez, yeah, yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's do that. That's not, that sounds great. But no, I mean, with Trump and with a lot of these policies, and you, I mean, we were in the unique position, by the way, I was, after he was elected, of hoping the president said everything that he said he lied about. I'm hoping the president-elect is a liar. I hope he doesn't uh-huh. believe any of this stuff. Uh-huh. And that's a really unique position to be in. That <laughs> you really hope yeah. it's it's usually like you know, I the hope opposite. he's gonna stick with it. <laughs> I hope they're really gonna fall through with it. And it's like, no, I actually hope he's 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 full of it. But yeah, this this rhetoric, um, no, I mean on, on the the response to it, I get of course, you know, if you're Muslim and seeing all uh-huh. this stuff, absolutely. But you know, most of the people I see who are like crying, literally literally crying. Crying in offices and journalists. I'm on a, a number of listservs of journalists are saying, like, what do we do? Should we donate to Planned Parenthood? <laughs> like, so you guys are fulfilling every sort of Trumpkin stereotype of what the what the, the, the journalist estate is actually like. Right. But, you know, the the response to this from everybody is like a little over. You got to admit, Matt. Oh, my God. A little over the top. No, it's, it's, it's more than a little. I, I mean, it's, I, it's, it's so, so over the hyperbolic. top that I have to remind myself. That I'm not going to get into a festival of hippie punching as a result. But you know of what that. most people think. You know what most people think. There's two examples of this in the past day. You emailed me and you emailed both of us about one of them, the headscarf thing. 
Um, so this, so now what we're the, we're dealing the wave with wave of, of hate crimes. Yes, the, the wave of wait, hate crimes. What, what is, is this? So es- essentially, on uh, uh, trending on Twitter and across the sort of you know Facebook universe, yeah, yeah. the new narrative is that there the every now, hate crime is going to be a result. Yes, of the election. Now, now we're in Trump's America, Nonsense. and it's this it's this catalog there will of still hate, crimes. Be hate crimes. Of course, I just don't oh, think there's I mean, always have been, but but reported yeah. there has been a there'll be reported explosion under this narrative. But no, there's expl- been an explosion yes. in hate crimes. So two of the being reported. So two of the big being ones. reported or well, being hate being, crimes in no, general. The, the in hate general. crimes are being reported in, in and many they're, cases. They're, it's they're, very direct, they're a direct stuff. result of, of Trump. Yeah, it says Trump, Trump hats on, et cetera. Trump 2016, get out of America. But what I'm, so, what but I'm asking you, is percentage-wise, has there been an uptick? No, it's, been, no, it's, it's impossible to it's tell. It's been several days. But, okay. but, but on this point— anecdotes aren't true. So the two big ones, the first two big ones that I saw everywhere, one was about a woman who was attacked and her headscarf ripped off in Lafayette, Louisiana or something. That turned out to be a hoax and uh, she made it up. The second one oh. that I saw everywhere was uh, the students in Illinois in blackface um, in front of a Confederate flag. It turned out that the Confederate flag behind the woman was torn in half. It was a protest and mm. she was wearing a face mask for her skin, uh, which is a black <laughs> kind of face mask for skin. You peel it off for your skin. And she wrote a, a, an open letter saying, guys, you misunderstanding this. Yeah. I'm sorry. And then ended it with the hashtag Black Lives Matter because that's what side <laughs> she's on. But by the way, you know how this processes with people? And then I'll shut up. The one thing, the way it processes with people is that these two examples are being put up everywhere. Of course. They turn out to be hoaxes or wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you say we're a nation of 320, 330 million people. If there is a wave of, of hatred and a wave of violence and a wave of racism because of Donald Trump. Why are the only two that I hear about either misunderstood or fake? Yep. There's uh, uh, Elizabeth Nolan Brown over at Reason uh, has yes, a very po- good piece on that. Has yeah. a post on on it, and it's more than just two pieces. It's it's a, or two incidents that mm-hmm. have turned out not to be true. It includes a guy in like San Francisco who had a swastika or some kind of Nazi flag flying over his house. And they're like, oh my god, we've been, we've uh, emboldened the uh, the alt right Nazis. And he's like, no, actually, I was being criticized criticizing them. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was because I live in San Francisco. I am yeah. not going to be an author. <laughs> well, uh, I got an email by the way from someone in the morning about like, hey, somebody should do a story about this uh, swastika flag in San Francisco. I didn't know it was fake. Okay, so yeah, add yeah. that third one. Yeah. No, well, there's like oh, not fake, but wrong. There's wrong. three or four or five here, and it reminds me of a post 9/11 um, mm-hmm. because everyone just assumed it was an amazing group assumption nationally that there was going to be a wave of hate crimes against Muslims and suspected Muslims. Sure, and there were a couple. There was one in Arizona. There's one in New Jersey, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oftentimes mm-hmm. against like Sufis. Sikhs. 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 Yeah, um, Sikhs. Yeah. It was a yeah. gas station attendant, and we all know him because it was actually fairly rare. Afterwards, a gas station attendant in Arizona who was a Sikh in a turban he was shot and killed so much was this expected and so much was the eventual data proving uh, or illustrating the opposite that Gustav Niebuhr who's a religion writer and I think a nephew of Reinhold Niebuhr uh, wrote a uh, book a few years ago who it just starts off with an extended meditation of why did we all assume this was going to happen and why did the opposite happen? Um, and he was wrote that as someone who expected it to happen, and then finally he didn't. And it ended up being a very interesting book about uh, interfaith uh, communication in the post-9-11 universe. It's amazing how we assume the worst of our fellow countrymen uh, here, and it doesn't turn out to be true. I hope it doesn't turn out to be true in this case. I I actually we, think we, that it won't turn want, out to be true. But we want it to be true. Have, have you heard thing. of the expression, well, not you've got to see it sure. to believe it? Yeah. You've got to believe it to see it i think that's like every year Mm. a mexican woman finds the virgin mary in her rice and beans Mm -hmm. she believes in the virgin mary yeah that's why she sees 
her in the rice and beans. And I think that's what we're experiencing right now. Exactly it's, right. We believe that this racism and hatred is going to be pushed on the universe because of Trump. So anything that falls into that narrative, yes. we're going to go, oh, that makes perfect sense. I'm not going to vet this the, at all. That's exactly right. Exactly right. You've got that's a ready-made ex- explanation. That's exactly right. And I think that one of the, the things that we see is um, how do we explain that people – that people um, think things that are that are different than than you and I, and they that's must this be is, evil. They must be evil, or they must be misinformed. Not right. that they could possibly have different views. So the other narrative, and this mm. plays into what we're talking about now, yes. yeah, yeah. is uh, the the bullying of Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and founder of Facebook, um, who has been def- trying to defend himself against the accusation. And this is true. The Verge of all people had a headline that they tweeted this morning. Um, Mark, it was Mark Zuckerberg sidesteps accusations that he helped elect Trump. Now, how did Mark Zuckerberg help elect Trump? If you haven't seen these stories, because Facebook (laughs) is full of, quote, fake news that um, emboldens the Donald Trump type voter. And they believe these narratives that Donald Trump speaks to and then becomes the president elect based on. So Mark Zuckerberg has been trying to defend himself against charges that he is, uh, you know, running an organization that disseminates fake news and gets people like Trump elected. The number of people that are actually smart people that are actually tweeting this, talking about this, mm-hmm. are amazing. I just mentioned this before I got on the subway to come up here uh, on Twitter. The number of the very, very same people who have accused Mark Zuckerberg of this, of disseminating false information and putting him in the White House, the number of those people that also tweeted the headscarf story that was fake, probably about 100%. I mean, I've seen, <laughs> like, it's like, you know, come on. Sure. And what, what it also does is it goes to that Engels formulation, the mm-hmm. Marx and Engels formulation of false consciousness, of that if only the people, and I've mentioned this on the show many, many times before because I hear it so often, is that if only these people understood the realities of class consciousness and of Marxism, they would be on our side. But because of capitalist superstructures, they suffer from, quote, false consciousness. Isn't it actually- goes, this is what's happening with people say they don't. It's not that they disagree with us. Yeah. It's that they're getting false information Ooh. from Facebook. Ooh, actually, I want to I want to ask you guys what you think about this. You know how Facebook curates your page based on the stuff that you like? Mm. Sure. So it kind of creates uh, – it pushes stories that are you're interested yeah, yeah. in. Puts us yeah. all in bubbles. Puts us yeah. all in bubbles. Confirmation bias. Confirmation yeah. bias, right? Yeah. So it, it basically confirms our bias and creates this kind of echo chamber for our thoughts, right? So is – I don't know necessarily if Facebook is to blame, but maybe that is what ha- what's happening. Maybe this this world that we're living on on social media is creating this fake reality. Like maybe that's why we thought that there was no chance that Donald Trump could win because all of us are looking and clicking on on articles about how this guaranteed he's going to lose. I think that reflects the reality of the big sort that we are living in. Like we are uh, sorting ourselves geographically uh, so much more into like-minded places and sadly for most of us in this room it's places that we don't share the like minds with necessarily um at least about uh things relating to politics and policy uh but where you know uh 30 years ago more than half of congressional uh, elections were decided by 10 percentage points or less and now it's basically all of them like yeah. there's no yeah. nothing and some of that's gerrymandering but a lot of it is geographically um it, uh, these places are much more monolithic than they used to be california was a republican state until Pete Wilson, and I think I was mentioning that uh, before, or at least my brain was mentioning it, and I and I wanted to uh, to get to that a little bit because a, a lot of the um, a lot of the people who are completely bummed out and can't believe this world that they live in, and all this kind of stuff, and who don't understand that politics is a pendulum in a in a two party system, 
are forgetting Pete Wilson in 1994. Pete Wilson, the morning after the election in 1994, when Pete Wilson, who had been losing his re-election bid in California, yeah. um, he decided late in the game, this guy who had been the mayor of San Diego, that he was going to be running against uh, the immigrants. And this is an early 90s California, which had been racked with recessions and riots and a mm. bunch of other stuff. Um, and uh, and for the first time in its history, post-war history, a, a, a real estate collapse having to do with the end of the aerospace industry. So all, there's all this kind of like... Tumult happening, and so he's like, "Fuck it, um, I'm going to have ads about how they keep coming." Um, and I think Prop 187 uh, also yeah, came about right. at the same time, and he won. And there were a lot of Democrats in California, like, "My God, I can't believe that I'm waking up in this racist state of California. Uh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful." And the uh, moral to the story, which Grover Norquist, who I was at a, a event with the Atlas Network yesterday, him and uh, John Fund and me talking about the election, and I was the only one who was. Uh, who is, you know, almost as despondent as a uh, Comedy Central employee uh, at this thing. Um, Grover Norquist pointed out, like, and that's the last time a Republican ever won anything in the state of California, with the exception of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who basically ran as an independent. So, And who is also a big action star. And an <laughs> action star and this too. kind of stuff. So, yeah. I mean, the fact that uh, millennials only kind of uh, political value that we know of for sure is that they hate bigotry and that they've watched the way that this election was won. And there were there were definitely uh, a lot of footsies with bigotry and, and I think some open bigotry on the part of Donald Trump. I don't think millennials are, are going to turn out to be Republicans at all. So it could be that this moment that everyone thinks is the beginning of the end, beginning of the Reich no. and all this kind of stuff is actually the beginning is the last gasp of if there ever was some kind of like alt-right, a white backlash this could be it. Yeah. Camille Foster, let me ask you a question. I, yeah. I think that you're probably the best suited to this. I mean, I think that's right, and I think that there's probably going to be a one-term president if, if, he, if he makes it through a single term, and that would be my prediction. But assuage the nerves of, the, of my friends on the left. And, and I'm going to ask you this, Camille, because I think you're especially well-suited to answer this question. It's a black question, isn't it? No, it's actually not okay. at all. Um, it's too bad. Um, everyone says to me, Michael... What about gay rights? What about abortion rights? What about um, um, race relations? What about the Obama uh, Obamacare? What about all these achievements from from Barack Obama? Let's pretend that we all in this room want all of that to go the same way that my friends want it to go, and we're all nervous about. It. Let's pretend that that was the case. Give me the best case scenario and give me why these people should not be freaking out about this stuff, because I think a lot of them don't understand how the legislative process works. I don't think they understand how government works. I think they think that Donald Trump is in the president and everything just goes away and civil rights, you know, go backwards, et cetera. Why should we uh, like chill out about this a little bit? Are you are you inviting me to give a civics lesson on the the fact that we have a bicameral legislature? We do. We do. <laughs> we do. But I mean, as anyone yeah. says, they have a Enough of a brain to say sure. now all branches of government are controlled by the Republicans. Uh, is it? Is it? Is it uh, the uh, it end is, of it uh, is not, civilization? It is not nearly, nearly uh, so bad. Look, the, the Republicans, quote unquote, had a had a good quote unquote night. Um, but at the end of the day, the Republican civil war rages on. Uh, the fact of the matter is, while a guy like Paul Ryan was all Minnesota, um, Wisconsin nice uh, when he uh, when he talked about Trump after the election, mentioning his name for the first time uh, in a couple of weeks because he couldn't even say his name Man. out on the campaign trail because he hated him so much. Um, this is this is the honeymoon um, and it will be over pretty quickly. My my expectation here is that, look, Trump can win 
an election by running against the Republican establishment, but creating and shepherding a legislative agenda through Washington, D.C., through Congress, is going to require something entirely different. Uh, and it isn't clear to me that they have sort of the, the capability or the intellectual fortitude amassed there to overcome the huge negatives that Donald Trump has. He isn't only going to be fighting against Democrats who hate him, against a media who, for, for whom it is incredibly easy to lampoon everything that he does and to take everything that he does and turn it into racism, right, uh, right. As, as you were pointing out, Schultz. Um, he is also going to be at war with, a part, with his own party, who is going to be incredibly sensitive to all of the vulnerabilities the that he will create. Part, yeah. And we, we are on we, – we are actually beginning another election cycle right now. Yeah. The midterms are in two years. Right. Um, This is going to happen. And it is incredibly it is entirely possible that Donald Trump could do so badly, so badly um, that Republicans are swept out of the House and the Senate, even if he manages to finish his term successfully. I I heard that that note of pessimism in your voice, Moynihan. So, no, it isn't it isn't obvious that we're going to see the, the utter destruction of everything in Washington. He could be so thoroughly incompetent that he isn't able to marshal anything. I, I suppose the other possibility, though, and what the people who are afraid of who actually know something about government suspect is that, well, all the Republicans are going to fall in line uh, and they're all going to obey him and it's going to be totally fine. And we're not going to see any uh, there's not going to be any problems. Um, I suppose that's one. I, I think that's, a, that's that's more likely wait, wait, than wait, not wait, likely wait, right now. One, isn't, it also, isn't it also likely that he falls in line? I mean, there was Both. a there was that a is, that is right. The, yeah, there was an article today in the, the, the I think the Washington Post about the already bending on trade. On yeah, uh, sure. advisors coming in and, and saying and we he can't had do done it, yeah. and he had done it before the election. Sure. Um, during the election, he had acknowledged after the primaries when it was going into the general, he started to talk about, well, look, you know, I mean, you need to compromise, and then realized that he might necessarily because usually that's what happens after the primary, the candidate usually tacks towards the middle, and they're right, kind right. of sort of giving you the same thing on the right and the left. He he didn't tack that far. Um, the tacking appears to be happening post-election, which is very strange and unusual. But it's also who are the bodies? I mean, there there are just not that many Trumpians who hold elected office or who That's are right. around. And even the people who are on his team, they're people who are anti-Trumpians 20 years ago. I mean, uh, Rudy Giuliani was an anti-Trumpian yeah. 20 years ago. That's he talked about the you know how it's it's important that we don't become the know nothing party on immigration. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, so like okay, you bring the ghost of Gingrich, the ghost of of Giuliani out there, but there aren't. I mean, Paul LePage is the only Trump. By the way, Trump said the same thing on immigration on Fox and Friends in 2012. Right? Yeah, and and, and 2013, and, yeah. 2012, and 2013. So, um, but the manpower that you have out there. I mean, uh, I've been uh, uh, banding this about. Do you know this is this is going to be great for Moynihan because he worked at Reason back at the time. Do you know who is his uh, kind of uh, one of his Heads of the uh, uh, transition team about transportation, Len Gilroy, Shirley Wybara. Oh my God! Yeah, nice. Be nice. Be nice. Sorry, I just want to say uh, t- uh, I didn't mean to defame the great Len Gilroy. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, but uh, it is it is entirely possible from a libertarian wow, point of view. Wybara. And again, and again, I will <laughs> foreground this, saying that I hate Donald Trump's guts and find it horrifying that he's president. Um, it's one, po- of those, one of those conversations. It's, you have to keep stating that over. Yeah, and over. you know what? Um, Look, I think rape is awful. <laughs> I am not a racist, but I got to tell you. Go but ahead, he go might ahead, be man. the biggest deregulatory deregulation president, and I say that as Could a positive be. thing. Um, 
uh, since at least Ronald Reagan. I just pray to God he is not the forty percent because uh, trade tariff president. The people, well, he will be that too. That's <laughs> oh. the thing because he's got he's got to choose between some of these things. But the people that he's not, Bill Evers, uh, a figure at Reason Parties, is uh, uh, and a longtime uh, libertarian or libertarianish guy is with education. Myron Ebel from CEI is uh, is over at EPA, and and uh, people are already losing their heads over that because he's kind of a uh, uh, climate change uh, skeptic, let's say, um, and. Uh, uh, and uh, Shirley Waibara and a bunch of different people from Bolton, our – Bolton. Bolton, uh, who's Andrew's good friend uh, from the Red Eye uh, days. I got someone in the White House. Yeah. Well, no, the the horrifying thing go. is that we're going to know people in the White House, all of us <laughs> well, the, ama- the amazing thing is like um, I saw um, our good friend uh, uh, Thad uh, posting about this uh, the other day, and he made a couple of really good points about you know young people being more concerned about words than actions. Uh, you know, like uh-huh. uh, people saying bad things versus you know bombing countries. I was going to get around to this. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, but 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 because um, I wanted to come at Matt after but, he got all all holy and righteous about the uh, the Muslim ban. I I agree. That's awful. Killing people is awful too. Yeah. For me, that's unconscionable. And for sure. me, like supporting a candidate. Would you let Moynihan finish his thought? Yeah. Unacceptable. So, yeah. Okay. Like I was, you, I was supporting you just came Clinton. At me all guns blazing. You I didn't come out. You. I was going to look straight at me. Well, oh my God, he's doing those gang signs. Yeah. <laughs> and he says he's not black. Do you see? <laughs> I'm not a racist. Man. Uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, but to to that uh, another point is the times when um, uh, people like this are, are hopeful because they get little uh, snatches of their own ideology and they try to blow those up and say, this is what's going to happen, so it mm-hmm. can't be that bad. He did that by posting uh, uh, some uh, debate bet- um, from Fox between, I don't know who, some sort of neocon type and somebody from Trump's foreign policy team and said, look, this is what an anti-interventionist blah, blah, blah kind of looks like. And then all of a sudden I see John Bolton's name bandied about. And John Bolton is not only not an anti-interventionist, mm-hmm. I mean, he is a strenuous interventionist. And then you realize that it's the Fox green room uh, <laughs> version of staffing. A, like, well, he's a conservative. He's on our side. I see that. I see that guy on TV. He's good. It's like, yeah, but you were just talking about how you're an anti-interventionist. And, and literally John Bolton spends his like evenings making like model trains and plotting on how to like reinvade Grenada. Uh-huh. I mean, this is not a guy who's like. <laughs> in fairness, so do you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. But you know, I'm not in the administration. No. But and, and if and if anyone nominated me, I would like recuse myself. I'm like, are you fucking insane? I want to wait a minute. If he's anti-intervention, he's not. Why did, he's the opposite of that. That's the point. Yeah, oh, no, he, sorry. If he's pro-intervention, why did he hate Hillary so much? Uh, not enough. She didn't go far enough. Yeah. She didn't go far enough. Yeah. yeah. She didn't go yeah. far enough. Although, although that's what made it. How do you so, go further? That's what made yeah. it so easy Invade for the moon for like, a lot yeah. of yeah. <laughs> for a lot of never Trump, uh, very serious hawks. I mean, part of the part of the beef with. Trump was that he was not hawkish enough, and let's um, talk. And they, and they felt safe and secure, trust entrusting uh, power to Hillary Clinton because she would continue to project power um, abroad. I want to I want to talk about this and even interrupt you to do it because do I, it. I, I followed uh, Gary Johnson last week of the campaign. I was around the J- Gary Johnson campaign, but also Evan McMullen. I went and interviewed him and hung out and watched his speech uh, and Mindy Finn's in Southern Utah. And a uh, nice guy, by the way, McMullen. super nice guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, he's my favorite. Ex CIA Goldman Sachs guy <laughs> yeah. running for president because he's a secret neocon. It's yeah. totally my favorite. Uh, um, it's uh, no, but it's he was, no damn secret. Uh, he was the only person who's ever run for president in a single state. He was running. I'm running for the president of the United States <laughs> in, in Utah. Utah. It's that's not. The, that's <laughs> not even a joke. It's, it's totally actually the true. president of Utah right now. What percentage of the vote did he get? Twenty three, something like that. Uh, 20, wow. 20, 20 and change there, and he, but got, he beat Hillary Clinton. Yeah, no, he did not. Oh, he ended up not third okay. place in Utah, and then also third place in Idaho, where he where he squeaked by uh, Gary. 
Ray Johnson. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about all of this. Uh, watching, it's always instructive to see what are the applause lines in a campaign. What is what is firing up the base out there? And watching Gary Johnson, there were two applause lines that got the most. One of them we'd all expect, which is, especially if it's in California, it's legalizing weed, it's ending the drug war, people like hell yes. And that's quite understandable. He's the first major politician in this country in 1999 to stake his opposition to that. It's now a majoritarian position in the country, and it's still refreshing to to hear a politician talk about that. But the other one that might have gotten even more uh, applause, especially on election night, was anti-war. Okay, so if you, let's say being anti-war was your primary uh, value, and Camille's eyebrows are going up because it's getting close to Camille's primary value out there. Um, it's definitely a top it's, three. It's up I would, there. It I, matters. I would say. It matters. So let's say anti-war ever. You were going to uh, let's we'll we'll table that. Oh, okay. We'll table that because we certainly argue about this enough uh, in the, in this. We room. got all the cool toys among, <laughs> among the stuff. <laughs> are we gonna not use the toys? But who would <laughs> Trump said about nukes? Yeah. Who would you have? We can't use them. Who would you vote for, and in what order? Mm-hmm. If your primary value in voting was to be anti-war. You would vote for Gary Johnson and Jill Stein, figure out which one, depending on whatever your values are, at the top. Um, I think you would vote for Trump in third. You'd probably vote for McMullen in fourth. Mm. And Hillary Trump, whatever her name is, Hillary Clinton, Uh last. Uh Um, It's so weird for the one popular Democrat, because there's no Democratic politicians anymore. They got absolutely slaughtered on the state and local level everywhere, except in in some big cities here. Um, They hold now 16 governorships, which is which is astonishing. Um, The only really popular Democrat of the last 15 years in American politics was the guy who beat the overwhelming favorite, who was also named Hillary Clinton back in the day, by running as the anti-war candidate. By running as the guy who was a critic of executive power and dumb wars and all this kind of stuff. Who was that guy? Yeah, who was that guy? And, of course, he he governed differently, as they always do once they get into power. But the political lesson was totally lost on Democrats. And so they're sitting around trying – the circular firing squad right now is amazing. It's like, well, we we didn't go Sanders enough on economics. Or we didn't call them out as being racist enough uh, here. And this thing is staring at you right in the face. This mm-hmm. is the biggest third party turnout, the biggest for the Green Party since Ralph Nader in 2000, the biggest for the Libertarian Party by an order of 300 percent. And they were the anti-war candidates running against a Hillary Clinton, who is super interventionist, and a Donald Trump, who is, I think, no reliable ally on foreign policy. However, he ran against the Republican establishment on interventionism. And then the last point about McMullen and the Never Trump crew, that whole category of Republican politicians during the primary. If you add Rubio to Kasich and you could throw in Jeb and then as soon as Trump got in, that group, Lindsey Graham too, if you put them all together in a, in a bucket, never got more than 25% of the vote. Nobody wanted what the interventionists were selling. Right. And all that Evan McMullen and the Never Trumpers did do is they won third place in two states that were Mormon because he was a Mormon. They were absolutely routed in this election. And you would think that people might talk about war as a motivating factor in voting. And they and they aren't. And in, they in, in a state that, that I can't remember the last time the state voted for a Democrat. 1964. And, and it was. Uh, wait, Utah didn't vote for Goldwater? Nope. They voted for uh, Johnson in 64. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's right. There was 64 was the last time. Yeah. I mean, I was in Arizona. You know what? Every state has voted for? I certainly do not. I was just <laughs> particularly shit. interested in Utah this year. This you like should, a, you okay. should have lied about that. I was, in, I was in Arizona. <laughs> it's like um, those autistic kids that memorize the back of baseball cards. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm, li- I'm that kid. He's actually <laughs> that kid, too. Uh, Cincinnati yeah. mayor in 1943 was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frank McCormick, the first baseman for the Reds. Exactly. <laughs> Double MVP. Exactly. <laughs> what, did, uh, what did Al Kaline hit in 1953? 
Uh, did, he, did he break 300? Yeah, he certainly did. I yeah. mean, his lifetime, he hit, what, 299? Jesus so. Christ. I just wanted to show the trick. It's like when you have, like when you have your kid. <laughs> yeah, have your kid like name the presidents. <laughs> My daughter's five. <laughs> she can go from Pope to fucking Reagan. You could hear Schultz's seal noises. Oh, that was Welch. That was you. That was full funny. He's like, he made Welch a kid, and Welch was like, no, I'm an animal. I'm going to be a seal. That is great. In fairness, Schultz's, Snow Coon Schultz's seal is better than mine. That's beautiful. I don't know what I was going to say. It was good. Have the Democrats trivialized racism, sexism, and homophobia? Has 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 have they have they trivialized it? Have they trivialized it by crying wolf about it constantly? Like, or or do the people that voted for Trump really not interact a lot with minorities and Muslims and just not care that much? They might not necessarily hate them, but they just don't really care that much why, about. Why can't think, both be true? Or both are true. That that could that could be it, right? Yeah. But the narrative could also be that for these people, they have heard forever. That everyone is racist and all of these things are awful, yeah. and in some cases they may hold some uh, some uh, unpopular and inappropriate perspectives on certain things. Um, but they might also think, well, he doesn't mean that, or that is being blown out of proportion. The talk about David Duke, well, I don't care when he did it, but he did distance himself from David Duke. I am not of the perspective that. Most of the people that voted for Donald Trump. In fact, I'd have a difficult time believing that even a, a quarter of them are people who are secretly in league with the Klan. Um, are people oh, who yeah, of course not. like it? Just and if if that's the case, the fact that we have seen heard so much talk about that thing narrowly is is sort of disturbing to me. And yeah, when it comes to foreign policy, when it comes to the actual track record um, of President Obama, a man who did run for office talking about the 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 the, the scourge of secrecy um, in the Bush administration, the the coalescing of power in the executive branch and what a threat to freedom it is, um, who understood or at least seemed to understand the dangers of imposing our will uh, in various other places in the world of killing civilians in a way that is somewhat un- that is un- killing people in a way that's unaccountable, sometimes civilians and categorizing them as enemy combatants and doing this in a regular interval without much criticism at all. Like, where is the moral outrage about that? And for me, out of this, sight, out of mind. And man. for me, this is this is the thing with this election, and this is the thing with the never Trumpers, um, and the people who who find it who find it disturbing um, that I, for example, have had a difficult time saying, you know, Trump is so much worse than Hillary. Rhetorically, absolutely, there is no doubt about it. She's great at employing euphemisms when she is actually saying things that are incredibly scary and dangerous and awful. Um, she's great at ignoring the fact or just not paying attention to the fact that she does deplorable and despicable and, and horrendous things. I like to, to use the same word uh, and just to add emphasis there. But but there are there are very serious things that are happening that most Americans don't seem to give a shit about. And they vote for candidates who continue to maintain the status quo. And now there are people like David Brooks, um, who wrote his uh, his piece in The New York Times today, uh, his view from Trump Tower, uh, in which he castigates people who are non-interventionist, who don't believe that the United States should be uh, projecting power abroad 
injuring people in ways that might, in fact, have bad consequences for us um, and not having a conversation, say, between the executive branch and the legislative branch. Not that he necessarily wants all those other things, but in either case, he is cast, recasting this conversation as one where what we need is a third-party option that is open and inclusive, and open and inclusiveness includes foreign policy interventionism. Um, I, I, he also says in that, and I say this is a longtime David Brooks uh, watcher and hater. He's kind of the villain of both of uh, the books that I wrote um, in, on some level. Uh, he said in that column, and you know, I've never been one to uh, indulge or think about third parties in the past. This is such a stupid lie. That's uh, Nexus is your friend. Back in the uh, when John McCain didn't win election, John McCain, whose candidacy in 1999 and 2000 was very much uh, kind of the brainchild of Bill Kristol and David Brooks of uh, of the Weekly Standard. He was their champion. Um, they wrote all this stuff, and Brooks especially, about how John McCain was the new Teddy Roosevelt. Huh, what did Teddy Roosevelt do besides all the wars and all the uh, total uh, Aryan racism? Um, he uh, <laughs> I, That's not an exaggeration. I mean, it, it, his hang out history the of the white peoples of the world is, uh, you know, uh, is is like the, the, the first sentence in one of his uh, books. Like, that's the, the white people... Uh, uh, um, a progress of the white man is the best thing that history has ever done. He was explicitly a white racist, and, that, and, and that's true and awful. Yes, it's one hundred percent true. Wow, wait, 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 what, no, no, seriously. What are you saying? Is the history true. of the Western people? Yes, it is one hundred percent true. <laughs> no, <I'm trying> to, <laughs> no I, I meant the, the progress of the white people yeah, yeah. is the best thing to happen to the world. No, anyways, the anyways, as uh, when McCain lost, Brooks and Crystal you can make an spent a good uh, six to nine months uh, talking about how there needed to be a bull you moose be able to make party an for that. Uh, because the Republican Party now was just a useless. But then nine eleven happened, and everyone forgot about it. But, but God damn it, he but, lied about it. But that's, I mean, isn't that what you do as a pundit? I mean, we, uh, hopefully this won't happen. But wouldn't it be great if this election and things like this would actually clean out the pundit class and the would be. pollster class? It would be nice. One of the most amazing things that no one pointed out, I, I pointed out on Twitter, but we're talking about because everyone was so shell-shocked by Trump's victory, was that the how wrong the polling was. How wrong the polling was, how wrong the polling was. And they're looking at these posting screenshots of these meters from 538, Nate Silver's website, uh -huh. um, about, you know, going back and forth. And what's the point of polling if it's like, you know, 80% sure that Hillary is going to win and then six hours later it's 80% sure that Trump's going to win. One of the things that I thought was really amazing was the, was the Senate race in Wisconsin where Russ Feingold and uh, Ron Johnson, Russ Feingold, Ron Johnson, that meter on the 538 website gave that race literally an hour before the polls opened 91%. To Russ Feingold, ninety-one wow. percent. Wow. wow! And Ron Johnson kicked his ass. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, okay, I get. We need to get rid of these uh, pollsters in a lot of ways because there has to be some consequences for being wrong. Everyone always <laughs> says this about you know Bill Crystal's been wrong about everything that uh, you know Nate Silver's wrong, but for some reason, it. I mean, why I think some of the Trump people hate kind of the media class and hate the DC class and hate the coastal elites, et cetera, is that. It, Ours is an industry where you're immune from failure. You never get fired. You never get mm. fired. You crash a fucking plane. I mean, you're you never going to fly but... for Delta again, right? <laughs> but you know, you get an election wrong. You plagiarize stuff. Mm. You get lectured by Mike Barnacle, who's you know plagiarist and, and, and made up a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you know, Fareed Zakaria still has his foreign policy show on CNN, despite the fact that he's been caught plagiarizing a million times. Can, can I read something? A, a tweet from one person who sure. never loses his job. Uh, and I'm getting this through Mike Mills, the uh, the uh, bass player for REM, great guy, wow. uh, baseball fan. Uh, and uh, Mills says, the sad, ugly truth, 
Bill Moyers nails it as always. And Bill Moyers has a piece saying, farewell, America. America died November, <laughs> November 8th, 2016. Not with a bang or a whimper, but at its own hand via electoral suicide. And I say this as someone who is empathetic with people who are bummed, but that's just wrong. We're not right. dead. And, and we will be dead if everyone, everyone who is fine. bummed out at what's happening decides to just say that we're dead. Did you see like, the, yeah, the, lightning, the lightning fast uh, declaration that the economy was going to explode and it would be in the doldrums forever from Paul Krugman yeah. with Dude. a retraction about 15 minutes later? Dude. Like, I'm not so sure about that one. That oh, night, really? election night, 4.30 in the morning, I'm walking down the street. This guy in a in a button down that was unbuttoned about to his belly button, coked out of his mind, walked down. He goes, take it all out. I go, it's me and him on the street. He goes, <laughs> he goes get your money out now. I go, what, what are you talking about, bro? He goes, I'm going to the office right now. I already lost half of everything. I'm putting it in, in S&P EFTs. It's going to be long growth, but we're fucked. We're fucked. And then yeah. just walks away. This is why you should never, ever, yeah, should never, <laughs> ever control your own money when you've done a ton of coke. Because <laughs> if you look at what happened in 2012, after the election in 2012, if you look at what happened in 2008, the market always dies. It always, it always recovers. Yeah. It's like that fluctuation is fine. And you know what? If anything, the market's been rallying uh, in the past couple of days, and everyone's freaking out. It's like, look, the the one thing about the media is it's not that there is a a concerted effort from certain elements of the media to advance a particular agenda. It's just the instinct of stupid people to create stories before they've happened based on what they believe is going to happen. Mm -hmm. So let's go and do all. You know how many stories were killed. In the past oh my week, God. that yeah. had been previously prepared because they were based on a Hillary Clinton victory, yeah, you know, or based on something, you know, winning or losing some ballot initiative, whatever it might be, and that is is the truth. Is it's a lot less malevolent than people think. But when they see the markets driving, they get kind of excited. They're like, "See, this is what happens when you hillbillies elect this fascist," and, mean, and it's like it's going to recover, and then you just forget about that. Think about all to see all the uh, all the uh, New York Times stories the last couple of days. Uh, I don't know if you subscribe to the print edition. My Michael, but like it was these pictures of like, you know, Trump and Melania sort of looking in, in, in disarray, or disheveled. And it was a portrait of, you know, the final stages of the meltdown of the mm -hmm. campaign and all these kind of mm -hmm. things. It was just it was baked in there that yeah. this is all falling apart right now. And the exact opposite was happening. The, it's the journalism equivalent of all of those kids right now in like, you know, Zimbabwe that are getting Cleveland Indians 2016 World <laughs> Series champion shirts right now. Well, I want to do that with copy. I want to do a book of all the shit that we are, we, we've already written or previously written in anticipation of the... Ezra, <laughs> Klein, uh, Ezra Klein tweet from, I think, two, three days ago uh, that uh, I retweeted out uh, today because someone else retweeted it out, obviously, but was uh, last days of the election saying, it's time that we all admit it. Hillary Clinton is an uncommonly great politician. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I love it. Like, I love like, it. How do you, that's amazing. How do you possibly get there even on the evidence that she was going to win? Like, here's, here's a question. Is she just a loser? Does she not know how to win? I think she literally just doesn't know how to do it. I think she never has. I think she's piggybacked on Bill, and she's never actually had to pry votes from anybody in her life. I think she won on the Clinton name equity when she ran in New York. She almost lost to Rick Lazio. Yeah. yeah do you yeah. even know who Rick Lazio is? No. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a super. 
<laughs> that sounds like a super. Hey, right? Lazio. <laughs> Lazio, I need the, the plumbing's broken, Laz. Can you come up? I need it. I need to Okay, Lazio. Come on. But she's she lost something like a 40 percentage point lead to Rick Lazio, and it was like neck and neck. And she cleared out the all the possible competition way ahead of time. Like there was a she was maybe gonna run against Giuliani, but she wasn't gonna get into the race until he made sure that Giuliani wasn't going to be in the race. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand eight, they basically cleared it, they just let the black guy in. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh the black guy killed kicked her ass. Uh, I mean, with the, the crazy African name and the middle name of Hussein, um, totally wiped the floor with her, and she almost lost to Bernie Sanders after clearing out the field. There was yeah, nobody back else. Back was, and to your Ezra Klein thing, uh, I wanted to point out the ridiculous uh, Matt Iglesias, one of um, America's dumbest pundits uh, in Most Privileged, who uh, you know went to Dalton here in New York City, and his father was a screenwriter, and he's everything that's wrong with DC and the pundit class. A uh, couple of headlines that I saw of his, uh, my favorite was, uh, <laughs> this is in the past couple of days before the election, why I think Nate Silver's model underrates Clinton's odds. <laughs> that was one of the headlines. That worked out. The next headline. He's a specialist when it comes to. Uh, yeah, he's a Brexit's victory doesn't mean the polls are wrong about Trump. This is when the polls had Trump losing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then uh, on election day, uh, the numbers I see out of Florida so far indicate that Trump is cooked. Indicate. <laughs> indicate. Weasel word. Um, so, yeah, it's just like how long and how many times can you be wrong, um, you pointless blowhard? Well, and, um, there has been a, a, a very nice, as the left gets into its uh, circular firing squad right now, which is uh, uh, delicious to, to, to watch. There is a huge thing against Vox, against Iglesias, against Klein, yeah. and those things. There's a piece in Current Affairs that uh, came oh, out. Oh, yeah, you told me to read ago. that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, which was just a, a like a, a repudiation of the concept of like explanatory journalism. It's sure. just, like, this uh, kind of built-in condescension behind all of it, this premature <laughs> knowledge uh, and expertise on everything. And if you just let us wonks take care of it, then you don't actually have to worry your pretty little heads about anything. And yeah. uh, and even though the guy's point of view who is writing is probably uh, well to the left of mine on a bunch of different issues on uh, on economics, the critique is, is essentially right. And and like the, the, the way that Democrats doubled down and tripled down in the last week on this election, it's like, okay, my God, what can we do here? Uh, let's see. Let's get Lena Dunham out here. That's that's going to seal yeah. the deal. I, I saw today on Box, um, Leslie Nope, the fictional character from Parks and Recreation, wrote a heartfelt plea about the post-election universe. Like, yeah, that's, that's going to do the trick. That, <laughs> again, that's going to get the Pennsylvania suburbs back on your again, side. Again, everybody on Earth is going into their I- iPhone notepad application and writing letters to their grandmother and screenshotting them and putting it online. I think maybe I should do this on the subway home today and be like, you know, uh, to, you know, this is a, important words to think about. And they're, they're all like these successories posters, too, the language that people are using in these things. It's driving me crazy. But to the point about the current affairs articles, very, very good. You pointed it out to me. And um, just to say that this is the problem with both Vox and um, this idea that there is, I'm going to sound very postmodern here, like a postmodernist, that there is like a truth. And so therefore, we have to make Facebook get rid of these articles that are fake. Right. We have to make sure that like they purge stuff that's not true, because then we'll we'll cleanse the American people of this dirty information. You know, prior to the Internet, there was the Clinton Chronicles. 
right? The videotape made by like Jerry Falwell and these psychopaths Best saying fonts in the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. They're saying that the Clintons were like murdering people. That stuff. <laughs> as soon as there was electronic com- communication, there was the Clinton death list. You cannot make American pe- the American people or people everywhere not believe in weirdo conspiracy theories, as Jesse Walker uh, continued. But it also gets into the idea that there is a truth. But you there can't some... make them do their due diligence. Well, you can't. And that's the problem. Or you can't inspire them to. Like, why do we protect people so much, right? Like, why do we tell McDonald's to stop selling hamburgers? Why don't we tell people to look up the nutrition facts of hamburgers and see if you want to eat it? I mean, Be the, accountable for your actions. But you don't even need to look it up. Like, you know that if you eat McDonald's every day, you will become a fat ass. But you might not know what you see on Facebook. And that's why we should we should support people going out there and basically saying, hey, if you read this fact— just read the opposite. Some Google's right. You're already on the internet. But you it's know what? Like the, you need to go. Also, to the but I'm saying that people are rational the, and they are just making yeah. a judgment based on two sides. They're not. That's, yeah. They don't. Like, there right. are people who discount evidence, no matter how compelling it is, because they they don't want to. They don't want to hear so it. And it's worth noting that, that a lot of the that a lot of the fake news on on Facebook that is being shared is act from actual like comedy sites. Where they are writing fake stories that are obviously like fake, if you bother to read them, <laughs> yeah. uh, but that most people don't read, and 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 I I don't know, I don't want to turn this pessimistic, um, too pessimistic. But while I was away, uh, I did have uh, sort of a bit of a reading list. I read uh, a book about the uh, the myths of the Spanish conquest of South America, which was just fantastic and fascinating and great. Um, and I read I saying that that Spain was right. <laughs> no, not saying that Spain was right, but but pointing out the fact that the uh, the, the natives played a role uh, in liberating South America, let me say, um, from uh, the Inca and various other like brutal tribes uh, who Was were there. Uh, Hernando people who, were there, who, who uh, wrote this? Dominating folks. Um, you're going to make me look up the, the author. I don't remember. Oh, but he gets uh, the book. But I'll uh, find it in a minute. No, he doesn't get the book uh, credit because I, because I don't want to give you the author. Yeah, you can't just say a book. That's true. You gotta I, name the book. No I dead air. No dead name, air. I told you the name of the book. No, you didn't. It was seven myths of the myth of the Me- of the of uh, the Spanish con- conquest. You just- <laughs> seven myths of the Spanish conquest. Uh, a lot seven, of confidence. Uh, myths of the um. Uh, yeah. That's you gave Camille black set. That wasn't that wasn't black set. That is just he is an idiot. Yeah. That was, um, that but was but I I was also I was also reading about uh <laughs> just like can we cut that? No, leave it. Post. Don't let democracy. Democracy and, and sort of the expectations that people have for democracy, the expectations that they have for a, the cultivation of a knowledgeable, somehow rational uh, voting public that mm-hmm. is not actually capable of making decisions about a number of these complex issues. Um, they're, they're not capable of sort of regulating these complex markets themselves, let alone nominating someone or choosing the right person to do this. They don't understand trade policy, neither on the left or the right, not the people who have gone to college or, or the people who haven't. Like the, the fact that you don't understand uh, the relationship between giving a bunch of money to universities through various student loan programs and debt, de- student debt forgiveness and the fact that this isn't necessarily a really good idea that there are, in fact, consequences. Like, they, they don't know. They're not figuring it out. I don't know that, that there can be an expectation that, that folks will, will actually be able to cultivate the sort of knowledge and understanding that they will need to make rational choices. And 
one of Has the, the world gotten too complex for well, democracy. Well, well, is that's that just it. It was say? always too complex for democracy, and for whatever reason, the 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 prevailing wisdom is that when things aren't working the way that we like, for example, the electoral college screwed things up this time around, is the narrative. And if only we had gotten Hillary Clinton, then everything would be fine. And for the reasons I suggested earlier, I don't think Hillary Clinton would make everything fine. But also because Hillary Clinton is also pursuing policies that I think are economically a really bad idea. Uh, among other things, um, the 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 faith in democracy is sort of the the sacred mechanism by which we govern our country, by which we select brilliant leaders that will lead us into the future. Uh, is that a is that a problem? Is that not something that we have to contend with? The fact that the populace, the electorate, isn't ever really going to be in a position to make those decisions well, and that's when they when they see deficiencies when they see deficiencies when things don't work out well when obamacare doesn't work the problem isn't this this process by which we selected the leader who gave us the thing that we asked for um the problem is that well we don't have enough sort of representation we need to find more ways to inject greater representation into the system and give us more more democracy um and what is my answer to all of that yeah you want less democracy well in in a sense, sure. If by less democracy, what we mean is taking decision making out of the public space, away from policymakers and voters at the ballot box and putting the decision making, say, back into the, the society at large, the economy in some, in some cases, people making choices on their own. Um, as opposed to making these choices collectively all together and expecting the outcomes to be good. Uh, I read stories about like the Trump administration and how, oh, my God, there's so many complicated things that the president needs to do, all of these decisions that need to be made all the time. There's a massive bureaucratic apparatus that is there to do all of this work. While the president is asleep at night, it's not as though there aren't decisions being made. There are. There are lots of people making them. Oftentimes they aren't great decisions. Um, sometimes they're OK decisions. But it's it's a distributed enterprise. Um, I, I suppose what I'm arguing for, and this is this is a lot. I'm, I'm sort of actively thinking this through. What I'm arguing for here is the need to cultivate an understanding amongst amongst voters that there is certain stuff that we might not want to vote on collectively, um, collectively, and that there are plenty of things that you just don't understand particularly well. And when we were talking earlier and I, and I said, you know, I, I wouldn't, I would never win running for office because I would tell the truth. I would say, look, you don't really know anything about that. You don't know a damn thing about trade. You're not in a position to make a thoughtful decision about this because you haven't learned much about it. Um, maybe you can cultivate that expertise. Maybe you can I mean, encourage the voters way you, to do their own research. Yeah, but we but let, I don't know. We let women tell us not to cheat. They don't know what it's like to have a dick. They don't, <laughs> they don't know what it's like to want to fuck everything that you know that you see. They don't know what that's like, but we like Man. we let them make a decision on you know our dick policy. Is it their decision though? Of course. <laughs> the fuck are you kidding me? You yeah. don't think that we would have banged that Russian girl that was here yeah. earlier? But you're married. She was really cute. She Who's was horrible. That? What did I miss? What that, that is. That well, is if you didn't show up late, Hollywood, you would have been a very nice. Do you know? Russian do you know why I, I should have late? 
Because I was like banging a hot rod. I'm like, I'm Hollywood. I'm super. That's what I get now. I get like super hot girls. Sorry, man. I don't. can't get to the podcast. I, I was getting a hand job. I, I a girl from a from Estonia. Dude, I had a late night. I was. This is like just. A, it's like a. It's like a, a digestif. You're on HBO. You get mouth only. That's how it works. Oh my okay. god. Hand job. You're crushing my yeah, dreams. No, I, <laughs> oh, my God. I like that. I think, speaking of hand jobs, I think I saw Chad over there just waving off the last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, nope. Oh, yeah. I thought he was clapping. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he's, he, was, he looked like a seal. <laughs> <laughs> he, was cla- he was clapping in his head. Was, um, but it was like the fourth seal impression of the show, by the way. It's usually I, like some uh, hotelier uh, that Camille's dealing with. That's the impressions we, of the show. So, look, we've, we've already given them – we've already given them a lot extra and i i just went on a on a diatribe that i'm not sure made any sense at all it did make sense um, you, you made a very good point. the way to, to do it positive I, i'm only only thinking in terms camille how you can fit this on your camille 2020 hashtag uh, oh bumper stickers oh boy uh and I knew, i knew it was coming and it's the uh there are limitations to knowledge go hayek go hayek or go yeah, home and yeah. say hey look because there's because we're all humble in the face of god in the face of knowledge, <laughs> sure. in the face of whatever, yeah, yeah. Um, because we're all humble, let's boil down the stuff that we feel like that we can have a master plan for, sure. and then let the rest uh, work itself out. And, and I should be clear, I it's like, I'm, I'm not suggesting that I know all of the answers to all questions. Uh, the fact of the matter is I, I and those of us in this room have spent more time thinking about yes. various policy issues than the average citizen. Sure. And quite, quite often we reach conclusions, I'm not really sure... It's super complicated, which means that you probably don't know either. Like that is the conclusion that's being reached. And, and the assessment here isn't that all of them are stupid. It's that it's really complicated. I don't know either. Um, and yeah, I, I, in which case, yes, you're right, Matt Welch, as usual. Yeah. That, is, uh, that is thoughtful, sage wisdom and advice. Although, um, although it should be said, I interviewed Gary Johnson on election morning. Uh-huh. And uh, it was a Facebook Live interview. Oh, and. Uh, we were taking questions from the Facebook people, so I could launder some of the things that I obviously wanted to ask, but I didn't want to irritate him with personally. And someone said, so, Gary Johnson, who are you supporting in 2020? Mm. Now, as listeners, devoted listeners to this podcast know, <laughs> every week there was an answer to that question when Gary Johnson was on this podcast. And that answer was Camille Foster. Wow. And what answer did he give me on the steps of the Capitol building in Santa Fe, New Mexico? Michael Moynihan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Worse, Snow Coon Schultz. Hey! Uh, no, uh, he uh, he said I'm gonna I'm gonna stay out of this one. Yeah. He really? said yeah. He said you know I'll let the, I'll let the you know the Libertarian Party decide. You're, uh, you're already involved, be. you coward. Um, <laughs> dead to me. Wow, you're already dead running. You're already running against him just in case. No, no, I'm not. I didn't declare. I'm not running for anything. Um, I haven't declared uh, declared my intentions. Your exploratory way. committee though is looking into it. Uh, that's that's closely. what that's what I've been told. I don't. Okay. I haven't. I haven't constituted any such entity. Um, look, a couple of other things on the ballots before we get the hell out of here. Um, weed won big. Uh, on Woo-hoo. election night, well, Florida. That right? was kind Didn't of a big deal. Uh, that was medical in Florida, but it was yeah. recreational in California, in Nevada, in Maine. I think. Yeah, Maine, Wait, in Nevada, in Las Vegas, and lost and lost in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hold yeah. on. Yeah, Vegas has weed now. Yeah, <laughs> legal legal weed, dude. This is a game. Dude. Why would you ever go to Amsterdam? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could buy pussy and weed <laughs> in Vegas, dude. This is crazy. <laughs> when does it become legal? Because there's a fight next week, and I was going to go out for. That's uh, probably going to you know take, take a little while. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. 
But they might not enforce it too much. So, but you can still get uh, gonorrhea when you're there. So don't worry about Dude, that. Dude, gonorrhea has been legal forever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's and what they I'm got saying. good still, gonorrhea. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, yeah, the, the real, best of the business. There were concerns with the Obama administration at one point about uh, whether or not they would be uh, they would allow the states to do their thing. They have uh, in recent of late. Um, There is a memorandum at the Justice Department. They are, in fact, leaving the states alone to do their thing. There are some questions about whether or not Donald Trump uh, will permit the same. There was a a longish piece in the Post uh, talking about this. Why would he say no? Um, The only only, uh, potential uh, issue would be if uh, either Christie or Giuliani Giuliani, got close to the levers of power. But even then, I think Trump might override them. Uh, If he sees something making money— He's not going to say no to it. There's I not enough. Uh, there's not it. enough federal agents, and they all got to be deporting Mexicans. And anyway. that is, <laughs> and that is. But the business, the business aspects of it, Schultz, I think, really is another component of the conversation. The fact of the matter is that in all of these states where it is becoming legal, there is an industry growing up. Yeah, um, there are advocates. It's not just uh, Rob Campia and company who are fighting for this at this point. There are profit-seeking people. Uh, who are starting businesses and creating jobs in, in various communities. All the hedge fund guys so, are into yeah. uh, marijuana. What is it called? Fact, not factories, but like uh, farms or farms, whatever yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so hopefully we'll, they'll be yeah. allowed to bank and do other normal business stuff instead of just having a bunch of cash on hand. Uh, and, and yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people uh, in those universes, uh, 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 weed universes, opposing legalization. Uh, because they themselves are going to be put out of business by legalization. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, on other ballot initiatives, I want to very happily say, because I'm a filthy uh, pervert, uh, that uh, <laughs> Prop 60 in California did not pass, despite all the polling that suggested it would, and Prop 60 was the ballot initiative that would have required condoms in all porn films shot in the state of California, which no. would have had a great no. effect as people really don't understand from you know prohibition no. and the drug war and the rest of it of uh, taking the industry and uh, sending it to a different state, primarily uh, Nevada, Nevada uh, Florida, maybe yeah. even maybe even Arizona. But uh, um, yeah, it would have required them to basically move out of state because they don't can't, can't make as much money. Can, can, and making can small we make margins anyway. An argument about that. This is very, this is first of all, if you're wearing an condom in in porn, I assume you have AIDS. Yeah. So now you're making me think that you have AIDS, which yeah. is very hard to masturbate to. Yeah. And another thing yeah. that I'd like to... T- it's really weird because I masturbate to uh, oh, uh, oh. Queen at Wembley Arena, and yeah. that never had any... Never? Uh, no, really? it was totally fine. Different oh, because, you, yeah. because he didn't know he had it back I, then. I, I mean, if I guess. He knew. I mean, everybody did, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's oh, true. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, so here's the other thing that we should put on a ballot. Uh, when when strippers clean the pole yeah. <laughs> sure, yeah. during their shift, like before yeah, they go on it, disgusting. Disgusting. Because you make me feel yeah. you're gross. Yeah, exactly. so I think just... It's not like wiping down the machine at the gym. At the, uh, at gym. the gym. Yeah. We're not at the... We're not yeah. Equinox. Yeah. 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 Dance, stripper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's, do not clean the pole. Put something on the pole at the beginning yeah. that like is an antiseptic to vagina juice. Yeah. And then let it be and oh let it be God. there for the all the whole night. But I do not like the cleaning of the pole. I don't like and don't even do it sexy either. They try to like do half dance, half clean. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't know yeah. a great no, deal no, about no, the industry. But it is entirely possible that rather than cleaning it, yeah. you need a certain kind of surface in order to do your routine on the pole. Excuses, excuses. I, I don't know much about yeah. the Figure it out. Figure it out. I really Did you say finger it out. Both of them. <laughs> so weird. I said figure it out. Um, I well, think it's gross. I really think it's gross. Well, I this by the way, the first show that we've done uh, in Trump's America, and look yeah, what happened. It is. Yeah. It yeah. is. We're safe. You're yeah. right. Yeah. We're safe for now. Yeah. Speaking of we'll which, my uh, uh, my uh, my daughter, my eight year old. <laughs> 
uh, said that there's a new playground, you know, counting games like uh, And You Are Not It, one of those yeah, kind of yeah, things, yeah. having to do with Donald Trump and his fingers and a butthole. Really? Oh, you say yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think I would get it wrong, but like Donald Trump has his fingers in your butt and you are really? not it. Something along those lines. Wow. Now, will they go in easier because of his small hands? It's <laughs> <laughs> an important question. I don't know the answer to that. But they're small, but they're thick. Small and thick. <laughs> yeah. Girls yeah. like girth. I don't know what to tell you. Maybe maybe um, Melania's into the girth. Hottest first lady for a while. We have to admit that, right? I, I, oh my gosh. Uh, She's the yeah. Carla Bruni. Now, now of, we can uh, actually call the first lady hot and not and like mean it. I don't yeah. know. She you know was... how like for the last eight years we've all been lying and pretending that Michelle's wow. super hot. So like, <laughs> wow. But now we can be like, oh, dude, she's really hot. Like, you know how like with women they can't just be smart. Like they can't just be smart or talented. No matter like they have to also be hot. Like they could be the best businesswoman in the world, and you'd be like, oh yeah, she's she's really great at business, and oh, she's beautiful too. Yeah, she's beautiful. Just to let you know. <laughs> she's beautiful because it's really important for women to be beautiful. So now we can just be like, no, she's a dumb hot chick. It'll it, be will be, yeah. it will be interesting. Who speaks to like see. four languages? It will be interesting. Yeah, to but see she what has to. Like, I'm tired of giving Europeans someone. credit for speaking more than one language. It's like when you're deaf, you got to know sign language. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Like your your country has two million people. You're gonna need to know more than Swedish. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. So true. You have it's to. True. Yeah. It, you're a retard, and you if you don't. Yeah. Moynihan and by, and by vigorously way, I, agreeing. No, vigorously agreeing, especially because I lived in Sweden, where where every Every TV show is in English and subtitled. If you go to the grocery store, like it's, I, I don't know if it's a trend or what, but there'll be like a can of corn that is made in Sweden and it'll say corn on it. And then it'll say mice, like it'll say it in Swedish below. Like if you don't, uh, if you don't speak perfect English by the time you're 10, you have some sort of cognitive Do they have the English yeah, for a negerbollen? Oh my God. What did you just say? What did you just say? Trump's America. Yeah, let's exactly. go. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I am reporting. Do you want to explain the context of that? So well, that there, is like a a, there is a, uh, well, there's no way you can not seem like a racist, but um, no, there is a, uh, a, a, a snack, a uh, sweet treat in Sweden, uh, which uh, is uh, called, and again, I'm, don't blame me, blame those Aryans up north with the high taxes. Uh, it's it, The translation of it is Negro Balls, and it is a chocolate kind of uh, coconut and chocolate ball uh -huh. uh, that is uh, delicious. And what's the word but in Sweden? But they've now changed it. They, they, now you don't say that in Sweden anymore, you fucking fascist what you do is you can say hooklod ball which is a chocolate uh chocolate ball oh. yeah it's a little it's a little less defensive uh and um you know so 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 could you please stop they do that all while uh, banning old uh, old, old pippy longstocking books where I, she like goes to like mozambique and like becomes like the dictator i don't i don't know the etymology <laughs> but i don't know the etymology of that word like i, I would need <laughs> to know because to negro negro is just negro. black and yeah, 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 spanish yeah, 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 right it's so yeah. it's just black yeah. balls you know yeah but just and, black balls and swedish is yeah. really a spanish you know. based language <laughs> yeah. 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 it's also a racist based language now you know what people some people will listen to this we're, we're ending in laughter and we're, we're getting ready to punch out of here but yeah. there have been a lot of calls for for empathy and understanding that people are in the streets they are hurting they are scared they are afraid and they are frightened and we are laughing what are they scared of um they're afraid of trump's america but in um, what way like what in, in in a lot of ways he apparently hates gays and black people and everyone else and uh, there's for some reason he's going to stop children from going to ballet classes or something like that you gentlemen we're getting ready to leave are you all, are we okay? Are we going to be all right? 
Are you terrified? Are you worried? Do you suspect that the the gears of government will grind to a halt? That are we on the 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 precipice? Are we on the are we on the edge at the edge of the precipice about to fall into a totalitarian dictatorship? Um, or is this less frightening than all of that? We are we are laughing a great deal, but I don't know if it's to. I think we're pain. in a bad spot, and like we have to fight because he will abuse power. He's a vindictive sociopath, and who now controls the most powerful apparatus in the world. That's totally worth being worried about. And he's surrounding himself with people who don't have good judgment about foreign policy and about other kinds of things. S- some and of them. he and he so, won election by. Uh, by othering people in a collectivist way, all of that says to me that we should be worried. And he announced his intentions on a, a bunch of issues that I care a lot about, including First Amendment, basically, yeah. free speech. Yeah. He announced his intentions to do bad things. And so we got to play defense and see how strong the institutions and cultural memory of America, as it should be, yeah. is. And I'm looking forward to the fight. Great. Bring it, asshole. Um, yeah, I would say that all of that, I agree with all of that. And I think it is a bad moment. And I think there's a lot of things, uh, to be very frightened about. And I mean, frightened is the wrong word. I think a bit nervous about, but I think that what, what is happening now are a bunch of people who know nothing about politics and know nothing about the, the kind of intricacies of how government works saying they're scared and they're frightened, et cetera. And they're using the Trump election to virtue signal and to to put forward their pet kind of social justice theories, and which is a little frustrating because you basically have people, you know, saying every kind of bit of graffiti, um, any sort of. I saw a story there today about uh, uh, fifth graders or sixth graders locking arms, or middle school kids locking arms and saying "build a wall" because they probably heard it on TV or something. And this was uh, been national news. It's not national news. It's kids being assholes because kids are assholes, <laughs> and that's not a news story. And so I think that, unfortunately, like the things that people are nervous about and scared about are um, the wrong things, and they don't have the evidence to back it up. I do believe, as Matt said, because of the othering of certain people in this election, it is actually very useful to be on guard against uh, this kind of stuff. But I don't like this idea that... Um, um, well, he's normalized racism and it's all going to start happening right now. Mm-hmm. Is the thing that you noticed about racists, they don't need to, things to be normalized. They don't need, they don't need like, I need some sort of social cues right. to take my stuff. They, they, they're, no, they're, no, this they're way. racist. They're That's racist. Right. They're scumbags. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like, they're assholes. And they don't need, like, oh, oh my God, now I can finally do it. Like, the clan can finally combine. It's like, no, you joined the clan. Mm-hmm. Like, you're literally in the clan. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are, you are writing yourself into a very particular life role when you decide to publicly. Yeah. Join the clan. These are not it just, this idea that it's being normalized, and there's a wave of this, that, and the other. I think is the wrong thing. Um, I think we need to be watchful of this. But of course, when you um, hype everything that might be true, might be false, these are the only stories, by the way, that we don't ask for any confirmation. Yeah, uh, re- re- reporters don't try for confirmation. They just say like, "Oh, that's claimed there," and they take the claim out of it, even in the headline, like the the, the story that turned out to be fake. Uh, the Times, I think, had a headline was like that a woman was attacked, not claims that she was attacked yeah, right, right, because they right. don't. They don't want to see the retractions. It is really odd. They don't. Yeah, yeah. they don't. I mean, that's, they're trying to advance a narrative, and when you do that so many times with stories that turn out not to be true, you undermine the legitimacy legitimacy of stuff that does sometimes yes. actually happen, and it does happen. Let's not pretend it doesn't. And this, and you know, this is what happened with Sabrina Erdley and the Rolling Stone rape story. Is that one of the big losers in that were people who actually have been sexually assaulted on campus, yep. and not like you know, yeah. it's like another f- fake you know hate crime story or another. 
perfect because yeah. there are people out there. And, and I think the one thing about this, and I'll end on this, is that is that there are no consequences for making these things up. So if you make them up, people will report them. And if they report them, if they ultimately find out that it's false, you're not going to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be shamed. You're not going to, like, for instance, the girl that made up the story, uh, the, the, the Rolling Stone story, we're still giving her a pseudonym and all these, all these names. Jackie. It's not, it's, we're giving her the pseudonym because she was a, a victim of sexual assault despite the fact that she wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so we still are using the pseudonym for there's no consequences for, there's a consequence for Rolling Stone and for Sabrina Erdley who have to pay out millions of dollars, but there's no consequences to making false accusations. This, okay. So if you're an activist and this is your big deal, why not just say yes to everything? Everything that comes across the transcript. So I'm going to give a challenge to, to listeners out there if they've made it this far. Remember what we used to do to Donald Trump or people used to do to Donald Trump? They would tweet things at him that were funny and see if he retweeted them and he always did. You know, like, yeah, so yeah. if you do like, uh, Dead hey, spin did, I think. yeah, did, like, it'd be like a Mussolini quote and it'd be like, great quote and it'd retweet it. Or somebody did a Jeremy picture of Jeremy Corbyn and said, my father is going to vote for the first time ever for a Republican. And it's a picture of Jeremy Corbyn. And he retweeted that. It's pretty funny. Why don't you do that at Sean King? Wow. Yeah. Make up some stuff. Wow. Pick, <laughs> yeah. Put some graffiti on the wall of your you house. You will retweet it. Exactly. Put some graffiti up on the wall of your house. Make up a backstory. Send it out. See who in the media bites. Because you know what we do as journalists? We have to investigate things. We don't, we're, not, we're not stenographers for you know, whoever wants us to be stenographers. You're saying ideally. Ideally. Yeah. So why don't you go out there? Why don't you, why don't you do stuff and get the ball rolling? Tweet some stuff at Sean King just as a social experiment and see if, see see if it happens. gets into yeah. And then reveal yourself later and say, hey, by the way, I made this up. Uh, and and I, I, just to push back slightly, the, there is fear right now, and the fear is pretty real. Uh, my... I have a, a family member who I won't mention who may hear this and then just dislike me a lot. I hope that's not the case. Cause I, I think really she bounced like out after the Russian but, girl uh, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but there was a, a story that she posted on the day of the election um, saying uh, it was about a, a little boy or a child, a biracial child who'd written a letter to Hillary Rodham Clinton saying that they were afraid um, of being biracial um, in the event that Trump won the election. And she, Hillary took the time to write this kid a letter. Um, there are lots of people who are afraid, and there are lots of people's kids who are also afraid. Um, and it's uh, there. There have been palpable fear in certain communities for some time now. Um, Black Lives Matter, for example, like is a, another example of that. Um, so it, there's a lot of that out there, uh, and it's it's worth uh, it's worth acknowledging that it's there, whether or not uh, there's uh, good reason for it to be there. Um, Gonna get out of here soon, Schultz. What, what do you What do you think? What I, are your What are your parting words of wisdom? I'm for the, I'm, uh, I'm trying populace? to figure out if if Trump is any more divisive than any other candidate. I just see him mirroring a lot of te uh, of the of the tools that the Democrats have used to win elections in the past, like. Every election, it just seems like the Democrats go, hey, uh, black people, you know, your life sucks. You know why it sucks? Because of those white racist people over there, those Republicans that want to keep your life down and want to keep and make sure your life is shitty. Vote for us. We got you. We're going to make sure it's good. And then they go, women, hey, you'll, you know, you'll be getting paid less, right? Because uh, th those Republicans, over there, they want to pay you less and they don't like women. They hate, they want, they want you to not have abortions. They, they hate you, right? So, they, so why don't you just vote for us? We got you. And I see Trump doing that same thing, only for Chinese Muslims that aren't even in America and illegal immigrants. Like, if anything, you could make the argument that Trump isn't dividing any American citizens. 
he's actually just placing blame on people that aren't even in the country. You could make the argument that his rhetoric is less divisive than the Democratic rhetoric because the Democratic rhetoric actually divides the people who are within the country. It causes us to hate each other. I don't I'm not saying hate outside the country is better, Mm -hmm. but I wonder what's better to consolidate or bring unity is if you have what they always say. It's like if you want us all to get together, make sure an alien comes. Right. If we all fight the aliens, all of a sudden the Russians and the Chinese and the Americans are on the same team. So I wonder if his rhetoric is actually more uniting. He's created enemies outside of America. So Americans have to Americans have to come together. That's why I just don't think it's that crazy. I don't think there are people that are from here should have this fear. You know, like when I hear uh, Muslims uh, saying, oh, my grandparents are concerned. Uh, are they, they going to be kicked out in, of America? And it's like, well, are they here legally? Yeah. Well, then you must not have been listening to anything that's happened in this election whatsoever. So I can't feel bad for your ignorance. Like, yeah. follow what's going on. And then, I mean, clearly he's not kicking anybody out that's here legally. I think you bring up a very interesting point, Andrew Schultz. Thank you, sir. I, I think uh, I think so. I think that's right. It it does remind me of uh, that the David Brooks article again. Um, there was a, a portion of it in there where he talks about uh, he talks about the the people who we keep characterizing all the the Trump supporters who are all, all almost certainly all racist. Um, and he says, uh, and he's trying to I think extend an olive branch here. Like you have to understand them. But if you were stuck in a jobless town watching your friends OD on opiates, yeah. scrambling every month to pay the electric bill, and then along came a guy who seemed to be able to fix your problems and hear your voice, maybe you would stomach some ugliness too. When I read that, what I heard immediately was Donald Trump talking about blacks in inner cities. Mm. Um, and that is the, that is the generous David Brooks trying to give you another way to relate to these people who you believe are poisonous, awful, stupid, uneducated racists, that they are people who live in deplorable circumstances, whose lives are universally awful. And look, some of this stuff might be true in a way, right? They might actually have a higher incidence of certain bad things happening, joblessness, of opioid addiction, and addiction is complicated. Um, and in, in a, some respect, while Donald Trump is hopelessly wrong about levels of violence in America, he's not wrong in some respects about how difficult circumstances are um, for certain minorities in um, cities in America. Um, but instead of acknowledging the ways in which he's right, the difficulty of talking about these things, the fact that he's just a crude a crude bumpkin who lacks the sophistication to talk about these things in a way that is um, sort of inclusive and mm. brings people together. Uh, they focus on the fact that, well, he, he hates black people. Obviously he's a super racist because he thinks all black people live in inner cities. Um, uh, what does David Brooks think about all of the people who voted for Donald Trump? All morons, every single one of them um, watching their friends OD on drugs. Maybe that's true. Um, I think we're going to be fine. Um, and I think we're going to be fine, not because I have any special knowledge, but because, like, generally speaking, things tend to work themselves out. It's uh, the Adam Smith's old dictum that there is much ruin in a nation. Um, despite our best efforts in some cases, uh, we have managed to truck along uh, and make progress. Um, I also think that incompetence uh, is, uh, is the most important check and balance. Um, and uh, I hope that between all of the sort of bureaucratic wrangling and infighting that's going to take place over the course of the next couple of years um, and just rank incompetence, 
uh, <laughs> that yeah. uh, that we uh, that we that we pull through. But yes, fighting for right, uh, standing up for issues we care about. And hell, this is a pretty odd thing. But I, I for one, I mean, it's nice to think that maybe Peter Thiel might be able to slide some good advice to Donald Trump every once in a while. That mean that would mean Peter Thiel has actually <laughs> something yeah, good yeah. to yeah. give advice. I don't, good advice. I, don't, I don't know, but it, but it is interesting. Like all the people who sort of ran there, uh, perhaps to position themselves in a in a situation like this. So well, it'll be interesting times. They'll be that, for sure. I, I, if you think that the Republicans in the 1990s were really adamant about impeaching Bill Clinton, oh my wait God. until you see what happens in the next couple of years. Oh so, my God, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we'll be here uh, forever, and uh, Schultz is uh, replacing Moynihan, so he'll be here next week. And uh, be on Moynihan your P's and Q's, on, Moynihan, on his way out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for for the whole crew, um, we're getting the hell out of here. All right, later. All right. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse, the fifth column, column.